Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, God is one. Amen. We're still in the midst of a world where worries like a virus spreading around is troublesome enough to, you know, affect things like our, our movements, our travel. Father Benjamin and I will be traveling tomorrow to the uh, Antiochian Western Rite Vicariate Conference in uh, Los Angeles, California. Thankfully, some of the restrictions uh, regarding uh, COVID um, have been lifted and altered regarding air travel recently. That's a good thing. But we're uh, still all too often reminded anytime we, we do anything traveling or, or attending a wedding of a relative that, um, you know, the possibility of catching this virus and having to miss some work or, or miss time with friends is uh, a reality that uh, we have to still deal with. It's not, it's not anything compared with what generations past have had to deal with in terms of pandemics and illnesses spreading and everything, but it is still something we have to deal with, and it's something so inconvenient to our busy life, our life that likes to move quickly and efficiently without any kind of hindrance or obstacle, because we have stuff to do. We have things to get done. And this life of busyness and of um, motion is so easily, um, it occupies our minds and our hearts so fully and completely that sometimes it's difficult to be able to take a breath, to sit with the silence of life, and to remember that our existence is not dependent on making the next appointment or getting to that ball game or catching the next flight or making that final deadline. Our existence does not depend on those things. It rather depends on God, our maker. This existential reality is probably, it's always been difficult to get in touch with Humans have probably always been able to find a way since our exile from Eden <laughs> to, uh, to distract ourselves and to busy ourselves so that we don't have to attend so much to that crucial, fundamental, foundational reality of human existence, which is that we didn't create ourselves, but God made us, and we are his creatures, and we exist we persist in life only at his good grace. But I have a feeling that we are living in the most challenging time in human history regarding getting in touch with that reality. I think it's easier now. We have so many more distractions and those distractions are so much more potent. I think we're living at the most difficult time to be a, a human in touch with the reality that we need God for our very existence, that we do depend on God for our existence. It's not a matter of our psychological assent to needing God. It's a fact. We need God in order to survive. 
2,000 years ago, there was one person on this planet who not only had an abundance of grace, but was full to the brim of the kind of grace that allowed her to know that reality so deeply that she was, of all people on the planet, the perfect, the only choice for the bridge, the doorway for God who created all things, the uncreated God who created all things to enter into his creation. Her name was Miriam, Mary in our English version of that name. And she was greeted one day by an angel who saluted her with this title reflecting this reality. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with you. From that greeting, the Lord was with Mary, not just in, in, a, in a, an indwelling way that, that filled her with grace, but in a way that God had not been with anyone else before. God entered into her womb and took her flesh and grew her flesh into his flesh and became a man. He became one of the human race through this one human named Miriam. When God did this, he began the most epic of works ever done among humankind. Humans had been developing things like agriculture, cities, buildings, uh, mathematical um, language to increase commerce, politics, warfare, makeup, and beauty. Humans had been developing all kinds of things for a long time, trying to advance themselves into a more stable, a more um, a dynamic and powerful entity. Human beings grouping themselves together and becoming humanity, a force to be reckoned with that would conquer other small tribes of humans and build up things like empires, all these works of humans were an attempt to solidify the reality of human nature and bar it against the reality of death that had haunted it ever since leaving Eden. Now, as powerful as, as um, large and dynamic and strong as these works of humans made them seem and feel to themselves, nothing ever fixed the real problem, which was that humans age and die and then go they know not where. They were not in perfect communion with their own maker. They were not in perfect control of their own nature. And so all of the works of man for centuries <laughs> failed to address this primal problem. But that problem was addressed finally 
in an out-of-the-way corner among one of the most humble of the human creatures walking the planet at the time. A teenage girl named Miriam with no power societally, uh, no influence, no means, no resources, and yet she was the bridge, she was the thing that brought about the salvation of humans, that brought about the work that would finally address the core, primal, foundational, existential problem that we'd always had. And this girl <laughs> submitted to this reality. She said, yes, this is what I want. I, I want to give myself over to this work. I want to offer myself up so that my race, my brothers and sisters can be met by their maker and healed. And whatever that requires of me, I'm all in. This girl continued, not just during nine months of pregnancy, but for the rest of the earthly life of her offspring, God, who had taken flesh in her womb, grown, was birthed, then nursed at her breast, held her hand through crowds and dusty streets and miles of walking, uh, sat on her knees in the evening times after the workday was over and the meal was served and stories were told. This girl became a woman and a mother <laughs> and continued to have the closest relationship with the God-man that anyone on earth ever had or ever would have. And because of her closeness with him, because of her grace from the beginning, her continued cooperation with that grace, and her closeness with her son and her God, she was the most perfect human being in terms of following in the path of humanity opened up by the God-man, Jesus Christ. In a word, she was the best Christian that there had ever been. And because she was the highest example of sainthood, God did something for her that he had not done for anyone else. And he did this not because she was so exceptional that no one else could be like her. He did it because he wanted to use her as the first to show us by example what was awaiting all of us all of us who would follow in the path of jesus christ he let her age and he let her die she did not escape death but followed into death just like her son had if even the god man submits to the old uh, uh, human problem of death but transforms it, what is his mother going to do but follow him into that transformative human death? So she reposed in God through complete submission to him. And then God raised her up in an example to us that our humanity 
when it is perfectly in Christ, is destined to be renewed, redeemed, rescued from death. Mary, in her dormition, that is her falling asleep or dying, and her assumption, that is her resurrection, this is not our gospel. Our gospel is the death and resurrection of the God-man, Jesus Christ. The death and resurrection of Mary is what follows from the gospel. It's our example of what happens when the gospel is imbibed and lived fully and participated in. <laughs> the gospel works itself out in the life of Mary. We see through Mary's death and resurrection proof that the gospel works. Jesus, the gospel of Jesus is that he came to rescue our humanity, right? But he was God and man. When he walked on water, wow, that's amazing, but he's God and man. But what did he do when St. Peter said, command me to come out to you? He let us see that humanity could participate in what the God-man was doing. Peter, a mere man, walked on water. And in the assumption of Mary, we see that a mere human being can participate in the death and resurrection of Christ, in case there was any doubt, in case we needed to see it exemplified not just by the God-man, but by man, just a mere human. And so in Mary, we see an example of the death and resurrection of Christ working on just a human being. And that's what we're here to celebrate tonight. Not Mary's example necessarily. I mean, yes, we, we, we glorify her for her commitment to Christ. But in doing that, what are we really doing? We're glorifying Christ. We're praising God for what he does in his saints. First and foremost, in the first saint, his mother. And so tonight, this is what we're doing acknowledging that the gospel is true, that the work of Christ works. What he did for our humanity, it worked. We don't have to question that anymore. There are so many um, interesting historical bits to the, 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 reality, the historical reality of the Assumption of Mary. I think the most compelling is that we have relics of St. Peter, St. Paul, of basically all the apostles, of St. Stephen, the first martyr, of a lot of the names that we see in the New Testament, we have their relics. But we don't have any relics of Jesus. Why? Because he's resurrected. There are no relics. His body is with him, glorified. We also have no relics of Mary, the highest saint, the most revered of all the saints. Why is that? because her body also has been resurrected. This is the gospel at work. This is an example to us, not an exception, but an example. Mary shows us what our path will look like when we follow Christ. We will be like her, raised, glorified, crowned, if we walk the path truly to the end. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one, amen talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.